My guest on the line today is a former news writer. I love this because it's, people always talk to me about reinvent myself or transitioning. I've been called a renaissance man. I will, I will call her the renaissance lady on my show today. A former news writer for WXYZ TV in Detroit, Michigan, Motown, and news writer and associate producer for KCBS TV in Los Angeles. She's a graduate of UC Berkeley School of Law. She's also earned a bachelor's degree in journalism from USC and a master's degree in broadcasting from Northwestern. <laughs> Try to follow her around, you're going to get lost. This young lady is on fire. She writes fast-paced mysteries that tackle important social issues, which is really why I have her on the show because it's really cool the way she's been able to do that and, make, and probably pull people in and, and open their eyes about educating them. Her thriller, Anybody's Daughter, won the NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Fiction. She also writes writes uh, on a pseudonym name called Sassy, Sassy Sinclair. Now the author of the award-winning thriller, Anybody's Daughter is Back with an addictive legal thriller that tackles bullying and its devastating aftermath. What really goes on behind school doors and failure to protect? Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Pamela Samuels Young. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You got to let you know, I'll tell you something, I, that, that intro, I had to, I, you know, some, what I will not do, Pamela, on my show is short change, short change people of what they've done. Because that journey, Detroit, you know, L.A., you know, education, tell us about that journey, you know, because here's, I, I, it took me seven years to get one degree, okay? <laughs> you know what? And I don't, you know, I grew up in Compton. I'm a product of the Compton school system. Mm-hmm. And I always saw education as my way. Um, why is that? And, why is that? Why, uh, why, why, why do you? Because the people that talk me into saying education is your out. You know, because I, um, I, I read early on. My mother put books in my hand in first grade. You, the book of the month club, and you can get a book every month. And I saw different worlds. I saw a world that was different from mine. And to be honest with you, as a young teen, I saw my mo- women in my mother's life. I saw how um, not having their own independence changed their lives. You know, one, 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 one of my aunt's husbands became an alcoholic. Another one, let's just tell it all, molested, mm-hmm. what a, molested a family member, and then she's on her own, and she ends up in the project. I mean, I just saw all these women. Well, I had a stable life, uh, family life. My parents have been married for 65 years. I had a stable life. I saw these other women's lives be destroyed. I saw I had a I had a my mother one of my mother's cousins was a victim of um, spousal abuse, mm-hmm. and I said, okay, you know what? I got to be able to be able to have my own. Mm-hmm. So I knew as an early child that education was a way for me to do that, and that's and I was I was off to the races. Wow, you know because when I when so what did you what made you choose the schools that you uh, went for your education? Because like you said, you're a product of Compton. Was it trying to get out of that environment just to see different parts of the world, just to be exposed? What led you, and also what led you to law? Um, okay, I um, I had a chance as a, as a Compton High Schooler to spend a summer at USC. Yes, I think as a, I don't 10th or 11th grader, oh my God, I was like, my, what a world. <laughs> and USC was only 30 minutes from my house in Compton, mm. but I said, that's where I wanted to go. And so I was able to go back, and I set my sights on USC. I don't think I applied to but a couple other schools. And I got into USC, and that was that world. Um, and, you know, I didn't go to law school until I was 30. I finished um, 
I finished undergraduate and I pursued a, a, a journalism and I worked in, in TV for a while. And I, but I had always wanted to go mm-hmm. to um, law school, but I didn't know any lawyers. I didn't see any lawyers. And it took me uh, seven years after, after graduating, eight years to, to say, um, I can do this because uh, I didn't have the confidence then. You know, there were no lawyers in my family. But I don't think I even talked to a lawyer before making that decision. But one day, I, and, and I had a real bad day in the newsroom. The tape didn't come up. A producer yelled at me. And some, and some just said, pick up the phone. We're going to do this. And this was back <laughs> in the day. Because when I was a newsletter, we, newswriter, we were still using typewriters. Right. And <laughs> pick up the phone, called and called. What do I need to go to law school? Take, you got to take the law school admissions test. I went to Barnes & Noble, bought a study guide. I had three weeks before that last test at the end of the year to study for it. Study, 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 and got, in, got a decent enough score to get into UC Berkeley. So, mm-hmm. You know, and and I had wanted to go all those years, but nothing moved me until just getting the days like I don't, you know what? I I need to do this. And I was an older law student. Most of my most of the classmates were twenty five and under when I was right. in law school, and it was mm-hmm. I was, it was actually a great thing that I was thirty because I was more serious about it. Mm-hmm. I took it, you know, it was just and it was a, and even when I get interviewed for jobs because what what you didn't mention, I spent my last twenty five years working as an in house counsel for Toyota. And 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 what um what. Being, going to law school as an older student was a great thing because I think I was a lot more mature. Right, 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 right. You know, the thing about it is that the, the, the being a leader, that made, that age can oftentimes make you the leader, the natural leader. And, and because people look at you saying you have experiences that allow you to look different, walk different, talk different. And so when, I, when, I, when I'm going through your bio, they say you're, you're a frequent speaker on these topics, which are really extreme topics that need to be talked about. Child sex trafficking, bullying, online safety, fiction writing, self-empowerment, and pursuing your passion. Let's break this down a little bit. Why are you speaking on child sex trafficking? You know, my, when I, the book that won the NAACP Image Award, uh, the idea for that came out of a conversation with a guy back in, I don't know, 2010 or 11, who said kids were being trafficked in the U.S. And we, nobody was talking about child sex trafficking then. And I'm like, what are you talking about? No, no, that's Mexico, that's the Philippines, right. that's Russia. And he said, no, 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 the gangs, the gangs are trafficking girls. And so I went home and began to research it, and I was like, and it blew me away. that it was happening in our communities, and nobody was talking about it. And that formed the idea for anybody's daughter. Just like um, Christmas Day last year, friend sent me an article about two nine-year-old girls who had hanged themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Nine years old? Who, how, what, how does a nine-year-old know how to hang themselves? Right. And I ended up researching that and learned that the suicide rate for African-American kids under the age of 12 is twice that of white kids. What? what, what? How can that be? And that brought me to write Failure to Protect. I mean, while I like, I write legal thrillers, um, but I also like to teach something in my book. So um, I try to give you a good mystery, a good legal story, but at the same time teach you something, and I think I've done that. And before I get too far, I say I want to. I don't think you remember. We have a we have a personal connection, you and I. Oh, good. Uh, two of my closest friends are Felicia Henderson and Sarah Finney. Oh, come on now, two come incredibly. On. I'm gonna tell you something, Pamela. Women. You really need to stop talking about my sisters like that in public now. Them, they them, are them, incredibly them, powerful. I saw, women. and you don't remember. Back in 2003, mm-hmm. we were you and I were sitting in uh, Felicia Henderson's backyard at a party. It had to be 2003 or four. Well, and, and that was in Pasadena. Got, in Pasadena. In Pasadena. Absolutely. I had just gotten my first book deal. And I was not happy. I was not happy with the amount of money, and I had and you and I was thinking about turning it down. And 
you said the you said the following to me. You said you said if you only got one book to write, get your foot in the door and take that. Uh, no, if you only got one book to write, turn down that deal and go back and shop it and get the best that you can. So if you got 20, 30 books in you, take that deal, get your foot in the door, mm-hmm. and you can you can make more money later. You said you said did anybody else offer you a book deal? And I was like, no. You said you need to get your foot in that door. And here we are. What? What's this? 15? What's this? I can't do math. 16 years later, Mm -hmm. you and I are talking about money-making conversations. Because if I had turned down that deal, who knew knew when my next deal would have come? Well, you know— And and one thing— you know, this is first of all, I love your energy. We was talking, you know, with my, my producers in the room when they listen to the show as well. We love your energy, first of all. You're just a natural passion that is crazy good. But you know, I I remember it because you know, Felicia, that's my I call her my baby sister, uh, uh, taught me how to write sitcom. You know, and then you have you have um, uh, Sarah Finney Johnson, who I think saved my career. You know, she brought me on to uh, the Parkers as a consultant. And at a time where I didn't know what I was, and right, and that was right when I, right before when I started managing Steve Harvey, and basically the rest is history. How, how I impacted um, uh, television and radio and uh, social media with him. Absolutely. But that's the period I met you, and so I was still finding myself. But I was very opinionated because people just always come up to me, you know, because my voice was really big in Los Angeles. And so when I was speaking to you. I remember because you were not you you felt you needed more you know you you feel right, and, that, and right. I get and I get a lot of people like that and I always go you know because I, I always tell people don't look at what other people are making let's talk about you right right let's let's keep it focused on you okay okay cool you know who why are you why are you all out of out of out of whack with this deal here it's a deal <laughs> and and I always tell people that I've done a lot of things Pamela for free to get the opportunity to get paid and and so and I always tell people that I remember when I was at uh, Warner Brothers, I uh, I remember I went to them and I because uh, when I left um, uh, me and the boys, I was an executive story editor. And so when I went to Warner Brothers, they kept me as an executive story editor. And I told I told the people at Warner Brothers, I said, man, just promote me. You don't have to pay me. Just promote me. Because I knew it was more important to have that Mark, title Mark. versus exactly. the income, uh, the image. I was projecting image. And so my conversation when I was talking to you, this is in Pasadena. I can clearly see you now. Because, I, I was, you know, they sent me photos. I went, she looks very familiar. She looks very familiar. And so and so, so I, I was looking at everybody trying to do my research. Because when I was talking to you, it was about trying to slow you down and realize. Right, right. This is and you good. Did, you know, the next day I was gonna go call that call that agent and say I don't want that. No, stop. Find something else. And you and I thought about what you said. I said he's right. I got twenty books in me. Let me take this. And and other people I know still get rejection letters. Let yes. me take this. Yes. You saved me. Yeah. Well, you know, you know the thing about it. You listened, and so the same passion that you have now is what I heard in that backyard. And, and and also one thing about it, I always felt that people who hung around Felicia and Sarah were cool people, and so because they know I don't come out and just 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 hang out and stuff like that. So <laughs> so so you got that pass. And so when you were talking to me, I was going, okay, let me just listen to what she said. So I I, I just won't walk off. You know, she let me just please listen to me. You have an opportunity to do something that nobody else has has right now. I don't know what they're getting paid over there on the left side. Get in. Get your foot in yep. the door. Yep, that's what you said. Show the world your gifts, and guess what? We're on money-making conversations in 2019 going it, into 2020. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Wow. 
because and, and now what we're gonna do? We're gonna talk about this this book and how we're gonna promote it because that's what I do now. I'm a marketer right. and I'm a brander, and I sell. I promote people's uh, values and I promote their their brands. I promote their products so they can be wealthy. I think that's the key that we're trying to get. I've been doing it for corporations like Ford, State Farm, Home Depot. Now I'm doing it on money-making conversations for individuals and small businesses. And guess what? I'm happy, Pamela. I am happy. When we come back, we will talk more because now, you know, she she got me all fired up now. Because now, now that, that picture, now everything connected dots. And I'm going to call Felicia Henderson, who has a, a development deal with uh, 20th Century Fox right now. And, and then uh, I talked to Sarah a couple of weeks ago when I was out there doing a that, that Thanksgiving spread for um, Kelly Clarkson's show. She bought all my groceries. So this is cool. This is cool. Be right back. More money-making conversations. Rashawn McDonald and my girl, Pamela Samuels Young. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald. You're listening to Money-Making Conversation, my podcast, my radio show. It's syndicated. It's on Sirius XM. It's on Alexa. It's on Spotify. There's a lot of formats out there that are vying to put me on, and I'm happy to put them on because it allows my message to be reach more people. And that's the whole purpose of Money Making Conversations, to interview individuals and allow them to share their stories. And I don't want their story to become your story because their stories are unique. Their patterns to and how they achieve success is the gifts that God gave them. Your gifts are different. They may be similar in the genre or the range or, or the thought process, but your gifts are different. So achieve the amount of work that you can achieve based on who you are and what you can achieve. Uh, right before we uh, left, Pamela shared a, a story about when we first met because when I was putting together her presentation, her face looked familiar, but I couldn't connect the dots. And one of the conversations that came out of that conversation when I first met her, Sarah Finney Johnson, complete that last name, Felicia Henderson, met her in the backyard of Felicia Henderson's house. And my whole conversation, I've always told the people, stop looking in other people's yards. Stop trying to figure out what other people are making, look at your offer and figure out what do you want to do with that opportunity. And that's what our conversation, and look at her now, success, you know, because she listened. And so many people don't want to listen because they want to run around there whining, complaining, I should get more, I have more value. I have done a lot of free stuff. I have been all over this country telling jokes for $75. I've gotten on planes and uh, just showed up for meetings that, they were just meetings. <laughs> they were just creating relationships. <laughs> and you know that's how it really works in this business. It's truly relationships, correct, Pamela? That's right. That's right. It's who you know because, you know, it's, you know, uh, you know, I may go to somebody and say, oh, you do all these book club meetings. Why would you go spend um, uh, 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 two hours meeting with five women? Yes. You never know. I have got, I've gone, gone, to, gone to a book club meeting and spent a, a five minutes. Well, I just did a book club meeting with a group in Jackson, Mississippi. I'm on the phone with them for an hour. Right. One of them recommended to somebody. Now somebody from Jackson is flying me out in April to be a keynote speaker for their event. There you go. So you know what? It's it's each one pull one. You yes. never know yes. your connections. Yes. It's not about the money. Give me this before I do that. Well, also connections, connections. It, it's also not devaluing the opportunity because that's what people do. Exactly. You know, exactly. You know, somebody walk in the room. Well, oh, I don't think that might be the person who can who makes the decision that you'll be rude to. Okay. Are you ignoring? Are you over here, over exactly. here, over here, over here with the happy group that can't make any decisions? They all loud and doing their thing, but the decision makers in the corner, just uh, just taking everything in, uh, making everything happen, and that's what it really is. And that's and that's what that's really compelled me to do this show. It compelled me to do this show, money making conversation, because Pamela, I've had so many cool experiences in my life, and 
and everyone's been different. I've met so many unique individuals like you and, you know, Nick Cannon shares a similar story. Lala Anthony shares a similar story. It's so many individuals who come on this show and remind me, Rashawn, you remember when I asked you this? Or you remember Rashawn? And I went, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it was so funny. I was uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I was on a flight coming from Philadelphia uh, in September, and Omari Hardwick, you know, who plays Ghost on Power. And uh, he just happened. We was in first class. He just happened to sit in the window seat next to me. And uh and I said, and I said, uh, I, I managed Stephen A. Smith. I said, you know, I know your boy Omari, uh, you know Stephen A. Smith. He goes, oh yeah, 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 that's my boy. And then he kept looking at me. He went, you look familiar. I went, nah, nah, we never met. We never met. And he he said, he said, uh, yes, we have. He said, I met you when I was twenty five years old. I said, mm. I said, uh, I said, huh? He said, yeah. I said, and he started he, he, uh, Holly Carter. Carter, he started, talking, started, he started calling out names. I went, yes, I know them. He said, yes. He said, I used to ear hustle your conversations because man used to give out advice, but I was at the time, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't right to really sit down and listen to you. But the advice that you would give out, I use today, mm. and I, I realized that that's my life. Really, that is who I am. You know, that is what I do. This is this show is part of the message. And when I talk to individuals like you, they give relatable stories. The, the, the reason I really love what you do is that you're taking socially conscious issues and then putting it into story, which to me is an education. It means that it allows Absolutely. people to believe that, oh, okay, this makes sense because so many things are fictionalized and then it doesn't have any credibility. So people ignore it. That'll never happen to me. And like you said earlier in our interview about, you know, t- you know, kids under 12, African-Americans, kids under 12, you know, you know I mean, suicide, why? What problems are they dealing exactly, with? Exactly, exactly. Well, they and, do. You know, and, 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 yep, and having learned about this whole bullying thing. I mean, you know, because first, you know, you know, the whole thing, sticks or stones, don't worry about it, it's not a big deal. But it's a different, it's a different generation of kids, and it's a, some different stuff going on. So you and I weren't, we, a lot of times, kids today see everything. You know, right, when we right. were, when, when we were raised, I'm 61. Right. And, mm-hmm. and kid, you know, you come in a room with stuff on TV, parents say, this grown folks business, get out right. of the room. <laughs> Today's yes. kids are exposed to everything. And then on top of that, they don't learn how to fall and get back up. Everybody gets a trophy. So right. nobody's disappointed. I love it. Nobody, you know, mm-hmm. nobody, true. you know, so, so they're not latchkey kids. So they mm-hmm. don't have any independence. Parents are running them here and there. So they can't think for themselves. So the first time somebody goes, something goes wrong at school, I think I personally, that's I haven't read this nowhere. I think there's a heightened sensitivity, and it's like so life is over. And I'm looking at all these pictures of these babies, right? These babies right. who have taken. Well, how does a nine year old know how to hang themselves? Right. Because they're exposed to too much. Right. For one. Right. You so know, we have some work to do. You know, it's really interesting because when I, you know, bullying hits home with me with my daughter. I remember when she was being bullied by three boys in school, and um, and I remember my wife, you know. She, she, you know, she let me handle this, let me handle this. You know, a couple of weeks went by, you know, I said, has this been wrapped up yet? Because she knows when Rashawn goes in there, going to be a little different conversation. It's going to be a little bit different. And so, you know, there was, there, was, there, was a, there was a school, you know, I was just, I was just be real. Like you said, keep it real early, Rashawn going to keep it real now. And so, you know, it was one of those, uh, you know, religious schools, you know, they're always praying and everything. So I came in there, the, 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 you know, the, the principal of school and, the three teachers were in there and myself. And, and I said, well, to my understanding, my wife has been discussing the, the bullying incidents that have been occurring to my, that have been happening to my daughter. She's not happy. I said, uh, I said, you guys know about these little boys here. And then, 
And I remember the principal said, can we pray? I said, no, we're not going to pray right now. Mm. I said, mm-hmm. maybe after I'm finished with this conversation I'm going to have with you guys, if y'all feel like praying with me then, then we good. But we're not going to act like I care about what's going on in the school with a prayer. Uh, so they went, okay. And I, <laughs> and, I, and I told them teachers, I said, look, I told them this. I told them, look, I said, you are doing a disservice. I said, oh, y'all doing a disservice to these young men. Okay. Because what they're, and then I don't know where their parents are. I don't care about their parents. All I know is they go to school with my daughter. And I said, and, that, and that's what happens. And I, and, 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 and believe me, the next day they stopped bullying my daughter. They all apologized mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. because I stepped in and was honest about the situation. When I look at situation, and guess what? My child could have been one of those under 12s that you're talking about. Exactly. Because she's exposed to exactly. a lot. And a lot yes. of it's not good. Okay. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and so, so I say a lot of it goes back to parenting. You know, we, we get so caught up in the, you know, two, uh, two parents work in a household. We turn these schools into babysitting centers, you know, instead of. A, Absolutely. And, you know, and, you know, we, we, we drop them off early before the school opens, pick them up late. School's way closed. And so or they get it, you, know, you know, put them on a school bus and don't hear that the school bus situation is not a good situation. And, and, I, and I hear you. I, and when I hear that, I go, Rashawn. But then that kind of happened. When, when, yes, it did happen when I was growing up, but I didn't have social media. I didn't have I didn't have internet. I didn't have all kind of things that exactly. can drive me into a, a, a box of craziness by being by showing me a reality which was really a fictional reality because it's on YouTube. Exactly. And so, and, and you so, know, and one one thing somebody pointed out recently is that in our day, the bullying at least you got a reprieve when you went home because the bullying you know the bullying stopped when yes. you're at home. But today. They're on social media, on Instagram, they're, and they're, they're, these kids are posting things like "Go kill yourself." Yes, that's so what, we hate you. Yes, and it's all over Instagram and Facebook, and it's like it's it's relentless. Yes, that's what that young lady's on in court right now for telling her boyfriend to kill himself. You exactly. Know, you you go go kill yourself, and now you know they're trying to show her that she had text messages. She was, she was telling him to stop, but she did tell him to go kill himself. She did say that though. Now, she may have Excuse tried to yep. stop him. There are a lot of those cases. There are a lot of those cases, and it's 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 stunning. <laughs> so so so, how do you do your research for your books? Well, initially, when I read that first article, um, mm-hmm. I uh, just found, and then I'm, I found a ton of them. And then, so then, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, from there, I went to I need to talk to somebody in this field. I talked to mental health professionals, and it's so amazing that I, I love just love people because when you tell people you're trying to do something, they think they're going to help you. I, reached, I, I ran across an interview with a woman, Donna, Donna uh, uh, Holland Barnes, at, uh, Donna Barnes. At, uh, she's an associate professor of psychiatry, I think, at Howard University. She was more than willing to help me. She also read the manuscript and was able to help me tweak things. Mm. I found another, another guy, uh, Swartz, and um, he was a, a professor of psychiatry at New York University. These people who, and he read the manuscript. You know, and they helped me with things that I didn't understand. Like, for instance, in that community, mental health professionals, they don't like you to say committed suicide. Right. They want you to say died by suicide or took their own life mm. because, because committed casts blame. And I didn't understand it. When you say somebody committed suicide, that means you're casting blame on them that they made a choice. Because mm. you don't say people committed cancer. Mm-hmm. And people who suffer from, from uh, who take their own lives, there is a problem there. And it is most likely depression. We don't diagnose. We don't look at childhood depression. Um, um, we don't. We don't even think about it. We don't. You know, um, a lot of these kids have 
have, have troubled life at home. Right. Um, maybe there's, there's things with their parents. In my, in, in my book, my, my 13-year-old character had lost her father six months earlier. So kids can suffer from depression just like us. So I, I, I really wanted to, to raise these issues because if I had written a nonfiction book about bullying and suicide, nobody would pick it up. Right. And, 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 and I'm a little afraid even now that people say, oh, bullying, oh, suicide. I don't want to read that and shy away from it because I was, almost, I was also trying to promote it by not mentioning suicide because I, I was afraid it, was, it would scare people off. But my mentor said to me, then you know what? You're doing the same thing that, 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 that people are doing when, they, when we talk about HIV and other things. That we yes. also people, you know, I know people who have died from HIV and we're like, oh, you know, at the funeral, they'd be talking about cancer. Well, we're hiding it. We're not talking about it. We need to talk about it. Our babies are killing themselves, and we need to talk about it. And that's what I've, hoped, that's what I've tried to do. Wow. Reading about the deaths by suicide of two nine-year-old girls sparked the idea for Pamela to write Failure to Protect. The articles are attached. My friend, um, you did, now you have a you have a version that's out this month uh, for for young adults of this uh, right because I December. wanted to write because there's a there's a you know I gotta give readers what they want there's a little, there's a little, <laughs> a little sexiness in it too that might I be love a little it. bit much for the little kids but it's a because you know because my villain in the book is a principal because mm-hmm. a lot of times. These, 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 you know, I love teachers and I love educators, and they have a tough job, mm-hmm. okay? But there are sometimes I don't want to deal with all that foolishness. Like in your situation, you shouldn't have had to go down there to solve that problem. My villain was the principal, too, on. now. Yeah, yeah they, should, they should have solved that problem. So mm-hmm. my, my villain is, is a principal who's a little bit more concerned about her career mm-hmm. and her, and her, um, her school being being accused of bullying mm-hmm. than dealing with this situation. Absolutely, that is true, and it's because a younger a young adult version of Failure to Protect goes on sale this month. Now, will you send me a link, a banner, so I can put it on my social media? I will absolutely do that. And what I'm doing is I'm doing my own version of Cyber Mondays. Uh, like I have Patty LaBelle in there. I got my girl uh, Lonnie Love in there. I got uh, Tina Liffer. She has a great book that I have in there, and I, and. Uh, so I'm doing my best. I got 97,000 fan club members. That's just that. Then I got over 800,000 fan club uh, Facebook members. So I got that. I got the Instagram. I got the Twitter. So I'm just letting you know, Pamela, we met in the backyard, in that backyard many years ago. <laughs> Felicia Henderson still my girl. Sarah Finney is still my little sister. And I'm telling you right now, I'm so proud of what you accomplished. And my job right now is to continue you down that path of success. So whatever you give me and ask me to do for you, I honestly will tell you right now, I will do it for you. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm also excited that <clears throat> the audio book goes on sale this month. I'm, 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 I'm still a couple of weeks away from the young adult, okay. but the audio book goes on sale in 10 days. Okay. And a young actor, Larry Heron is my our narrator. Okay, cool. Uh, get a link to me in 10 days so we can put it out there and get it sold. And like I said, in January, I'm going to put another one out. So, uh, like, so today I have one I'm, going I'm out. I'm with you, girl. I'm I, with you. Okay. I like you. Shout out to love, Pam. She, she's on fire. Again, thank you for calling Money Making Conversations and Thank you for reminding me. 